Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. So remember fast. You need to have on your seatbelt, literally, um, because we're going to go through a whole lot of scriptures. I'm just going to read from my notes a lot because I've got so many references I want to make. I'm not going to speak a lot on every verse. I'm going to let the verses speak for themselves. But what we're going to talk about is faith and works, but particularly we're going to talk about works and judgment day. We're going to talk about that. I've never really spoken to that about the judgment of God. And you've heard me say many times in the church that in Christ, we have already been judged. That's true as far as our belief. But there's another area of judgment that a lot of people don't realize and they don't speak to, which is very, very important in the body of Christ. And it has to do with our behavior and what he says about that. So we're going to go quite quickly through all this, okay? Um, Also, we'll pray for David and Denise because they're skipping out on God and they're going to California tomorrow morning. They're going to go to our our friends out there in Jubilee. We've prayed, and sadly, there's a torrential snowstorm out there right now. Hallelujah. But they'll enjoy it because they're really good. And they're going to be blessed. Now, Father, we give you thanks once again for your eternal word. Heaven, you said heaven, heaven. And earth itself would pass away before even one jot or tittle of this word would pass away. This truth is eternal. There is no shadow of turning in you. You are very precise and you're an utterly righteous God. And you called us to walk before you with our entire heart, with all our soul, all our being, all our heart. And Father, I ask you again, I yield myself to you as much as I am able. And I do ask you again to please be with my mouth. Please fill my mouth. Please anoint this stuff, this truth that is yours. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you again, please illuminate, shine light upon these scriptures. Help none of us, help no one to be, don't let anybody misunderstand. Don't let anybody be made fearful, but allow them, Father, to be just alive unto you and see what this life on earth is all about, a little bit more at least. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. So we sanctify this time of preaching the word to you. And we choose as individuals, at least that's my prayer, that every individual in here will make an individual choice. I will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. And I will take heed unto thy word in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to throw another loop on you. Everything I do this morning is going to be from the King James, not from the Amplified Bible. And uh, so, hallelujah. Well, yeah, good. Anyhow. James chapter 2, and like I said, I'm going to go really pretty quick. Like I said, I'm also, I made my decision, like I said last week, these services are going to start being much shorter as far as my aspect of it. Unless God's Holy Ghost just goes nuts, then I'm going to give in to him, no matter what you say. Hallelujah. Is that okay? James 2.20. Well, actually, I'm going to start all the way back up in verse... uh, um, well, let me see where do I want to start. Actually, verse 12. James 2, verse 12. Okay? James says, So speak ye, when so do, as they that shall be judged. Like I said, a lot about today is about judgment day. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment, or mercy glories over judgment. Verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, everybody say works, 
Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one, one God, thou doest well. Devils also believe in tremble. In other words, you're not hot because you say you believe in God, because even devils believe in God to the point, and again, they tremble because of it. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, or the Amplified will say how his faith cooperated with his works. See thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that by works a man is justified. Now listen, justification. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And again, you have to catch that because it will sound almost contrary to some of the things we've said about, you know, we're saved by grace alone, not by works. But James says here, you see then how that by works a man is justified. In other words, there's another level of justification that comes that God wants us to understand when it comes to walking before him in faith. Verse 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen? So if we have faith, oh baby, sorry. That's okay, I got it. I got so much, like I said, I'm just, I've printed them all out of my notes so I can go quicker. I want you to turn now. Like I said, we're going to go quite quickly. We're just going to look at some of these things about, again, Judgment Day, and I want you to just start seeing. Now, I'm going to give full credit, first of all. I was studying, like I said, God's told me to speak on different aspects of faith. I think next week I'm going to be speaking on faith and finances, faith in the tithe. I, there's some things God showed me that I'd never, ever, ever seen before that, that made, made a real powerful impact on me when I saw it in the Spirit. Little things like one of them, I'll give you a precursor. One of them, I never realized that God never told his people to give the tithe. He always said, bring it. And I saw the difference. If you, To give it means it's yours. None of it's yours. It's all God's. So we just bring. Anyhow, more about that next week. There's a whole lot of stuff to say. But anyhow... But I want to give credit, I, as I was studying this about faith and the areas I want to go to here, um, it really struck me. But then, like, Julie and I have been watching some videos by Robert Morris, and he spoke on one thing. He did this uh, series, I forget the name of the series. But nevertheless, he spoke a bit, and he, in part of it, he spoke to this thing about works. And uh, some of it, I mean, his next three scriptures are actually scriptures I heard him share but what I'm trying to get at is I give, a lot, I give credit to him for a lot of what I'm about to share in that he is the one that kicked me off, if you know what I mean, into it. Anyhow, so you ready? Got your seatbelts on? 2 Peter 2.9. Like I said, I'm not going to comment on these. We're just going to read them. 2 Peter 2.9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment. Everybody say day of judgment. Day of judgment to be punished. Second Peter three seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak. They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Is there a judgment day coming? Yes. yes. Will everyone be judged? Yes. Will unbelievers be judged? 
Yes. Will believers be judged? Yes. Will we be judged by grace or works? Yes. <laughs> yes, there is an unbeliever's judgment, and there is a believer's judgment. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. Now we're going to go through about five other scriptures. For God shall bring every work. Everybody say work. And everybody say every. Every work. Every. 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 Every work. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Revelation 20, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. 1 Peter 1.17 And if you call on the Father, who without respect to persons judges, every, judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, in the world. Now, this is talking to the church. This is talking to believers. He said, and if you call on the Father who without respect to person judges according to every man's work. So there's another judgment coming to us. Like I said, it's going to get clear in a moment. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels... And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Revelation twenty two twelve, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now this is going to get, like I said, to me it's far more important, I think we realize. We sometimes think when you hear the pure message of grace, and I'm going to explain that more a little bit later. But that, you know, we are so dependent upon grace that it's like we ever so subtly begin to live or act like, you know, works don't matter. What we do doesn't matter, you know, as we've heard before, and that's so not the case. Every one of us are an every and an each that are in these verses. Every single one of us will be judged by our works. But are we saved by works? No, not at all. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith... And that not of yourselves, it is the gift. Isn't that a, one of the, thank God you meant it to say hallelujah about that verse forever. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How do we explain this then? We're saved by grace, but we're judged by works. And there's two, wor there's two words in theology that you have to really begin to understand, and that's belief and behavior. Belief and behavior. Our belief determines where we spend eternity. Okay? Our behavior determines how we spend eternity. Now just think on that for a moment. So belief is one aspect. Belief determines where you're going to spend eternity. But your behavior determines how you're going to spend it. Some people, you know, heaven is not just going to be floating around like they say, as on, you know, fat babies on clouds. We're going to get to that. There's going to be a responsibility in heaven. There's different levels of heaven. There's different levels of hell. Then you'll see some of that in a moment. Belief and behavior. Our, our, again, our belief determines where we spend eternity. Our behavior determines how we spend eternity. In heaven, we're going to be rewarded for our works. And hell, people will be punished according to their works. Of course, where everyone goes is totally dependent upon whether you believe in Jesus or not. So there's two judgments. The Bible speaks, of course, the judgment seat, seat of Christ, and then what's called the great white throne judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, every person, every person in the judgment seat of Christ will be a believer. At the great white throne judgment, every single person will be an unbeliever. So people then ask, well, if every person at one is a believer and every person at the other is an unbeliever, then why even have a judgment? The reason is that judgment, this judgment, this judgment is not to determine your belief because that's already been determined by what judgment you're standing in front of. Judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne. At each judgment, at each judgment, nevertheless, your behavior is going to be judged. 
Your behavior matters. It matters how you live. It matters what you do on this earth. According to scripture, if you believe, it will alter your behavior. God's grace and mercy gives you the power to want to serve God. We're not saved by works, but works do matter. That's why people who understand grace get upset when people talk in the wrong way about works. And this is why people who believe that our behavior matters get upset when people talk about grace and hardly mention behavior. The two, grace and works, they do marry. They do come together. They're easy to understand once you're able to see the correlation between belief and behavior. Why don't you just say that with me? Belief, behavior. Now, here's the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all, everybody say all. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is written to the church. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Romans 14.10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, starting at verse 10. According to the grace which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, Every man, that's you and me, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day of this judgment is going to declare it because this day is going to be revealed by fire. And the fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, in other words, hang around, stay, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So there's works of gold, silver, and precious stones, and there's works that can be of wood, hair, straw, but they're all going to be revealed, he says, by this fire. It's an amazing thing when you see what this, this day is going to be like, this incredible fire that's going to be everywhere. It's an amazing thing to consider. You can be a believer and be building with gold, silver, or precious stones. In other words, you can be building works that you will receive an eternal reward for. Or you can be, quote, unquote, building works that only temporarily reward you but will be lost to eternity. You can do something that's eternal, but you can do it in the wrong way. And you'll lose your reward for it. I'll show you that again, 2 Corinthians 5.10, but in the Amplified Bible, I don't know if you can get that up. The Amplified Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And this is why I like the Amplified here, considering what his purpose and motive have been. In other words, why are you doing what you're doing. See, not only behavior matters, but attitude matters. I said attitude matters. Why you do something. What's in your heart when you want to do something. This is why, again, God does look on the heart. The stuff that has power attached to it is when it's done from the heart. A lot of people do good works, but they're from the head. And somehow, some way, they do it to be seen by man or whatever. Well, those works, again, won't be nothing. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, you've lost your reward. Now, have you noticed how often we're hearing the word reward? You've got to understand that. There's bigger, there's rewards. Well, there's like first place, second place, third place, all this kind of stuff. But just listen to me. There are rewards. Some will have rewards. Some aren't going to have hardly any rewards. 
That's not good. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men, in other words, to be seen by men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, in other words, when you do good works, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand does, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself, now this is credible to me, this struck me, and your father which seeth in secret himself shall reward you openly. Do you know when we get to heaven, hallelujah, for what have we done that's been good down here? The father himself is going to personally come before you and reward you. To me, that's incredible. Not just this nebulous big stuff or whatever's going on in heaven, but I mean the Father, the Creator, Jehovah Jireh, I mean El Shaddai, is going to himself reward us. That just, that loves me. I mean, I love Dad, whatever I said. First John 2.28. Now listen to this verse. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why would some people be ashamed? Now, he's talking to believers. Why will some people, nevertheless, they're believers, but why will some people be ashamed when he comes? Well, this is the saddest testimony that we can ever have in the body of Christ. They're going to be ashamed because they simply wasted their lives. They wasted their time down there. They wasted the gift of God, which is the salvation that comes with Jesus Christ. You are not saved to just sit on your holy assurance for the rest of your time. You're saved for a reason. Think about the depth, the height, the length, and the breadth of the love of God, the price that he paid for you and I to have this thing called salvation. I said, think about the cost that was paid. It is no light matter before heaven and before the Father, the price that was paid for you and I to be free. Did you hear me? Now, to having, having paid that price for us to just kind of say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to go to church once in a while. But I never really serve the kingdom. I never really give into the kingdom of God. I don't know what it means to reach out to the poor. I don't understand the importance of just being good to people, being kind, being Christ-like. That's an incredible dangerous way to live. They're going to be ashamed it says, at the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. They didn't give their lives to the kingdom, and they're not going to receive many rewards. Remember, Jesus, think about this. The scripture says, Luke 19, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said, I'm going to make you ruler over cities when he was talking about stewardship. Now, what, 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 stop and think about that. He says, I'm going to make you, and this is not a parable there in Luke 19. This is a certain truth. He said, I'm going to make you ruler over cities. Now, just stop. Think. Heaven's going to have cities. Cities. Don't know if it'll have a brick center or not, but it's going to have cities. <laughs> but no, think about it. That means, you see, there's going to be responsibility in heaven. You need to think this through. We're going to live our lives there. We're not just going to be floating around. There's cities there. In another place, Jesus said, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Now, I never really thought, why, do, why would we need treasure in heaven? Evidently, evidently, we're going to need what we do here determines to some degree what, we're, what we have there. And because we're evidently going to be doing some kind of business there where we need treasure. Do you hear me? Yeah. See, I never really thought about this before. But he said, I'm going to make you rule over cities. So it's important that a man be found faithful. I mean, who knows? You know, Emmanuel might wind up being the mayor of a city. Michael probably be the governor of the entire state. But without my humor, I want you to catch that. There is going to be responsibility there. 
This means we're going to have responded. Remember, he also, well, I said, the store of heaven. So turn and evidently you're going to need, like I said, treasure in heaven. Heaven is not going to be just floating on clouds. Heaven is going to be a perfect place with no sin, no sorrow, but we are going to be living our lives. We're going to have responsibility in heaven, and it will depend on how I handle responsibility on the earth that I'll be able to handle responsibility in cities or in heaven. Have you ever gone to a a game or a meeting and paid hardly no attention to anything, just kind of goofed off. And then you found out at the end that there was going to be rewards. I mean, I don't know if you know what I mean. You ever, well, like in America, you go to these summer camps, stuff like that. You guys just goof off the whole time, never pay attention to anything that's said, whatever. And then at the end of the week, all of a sudden they have a table out with all these trophies on it. And some guys go, whoa, I didn't know there's going to be, nobody told me there's going to be trophies being handed out. You know, if, you, if I would have known there's going to be rewards handed out, I might have, you know, I might have given myself a little stronger to this. How many are going to get to heaven and have hardly no rewards whatsoever and therefore have no real responsibility? People don't realize that there are degrees of heaven. I'm going to show you this. And there are degrees of hell. Ask the question, will the believer who doesn't serve, doesn't give, doesn't reach out to others, doesn't, do they reap the same reward? Will they reap the same reward as the believer who does serve, is a faithful giver, always looking to witness for Christ and reaching out to the poor? You have to ask yourself that question. But you have to remember our God is a just God. Now, just is a big issue. He's a just God. That means he weighs things. The Literally, the word means, when it says he's just, it means he sees things according to their being, how they work, how they operate, and like I said, how the, what the motive is. He's a just God. God is going to recompense every believer according to our works. And the person who truly gives themselves to the kingdom of God and serves and gives will receive more rewards. So that is the judgment seat of Christ. Even the word judgment, when it says judgment seat, today, I've never been there to see this, but in Greece, like there's one big foundation stone. There's this big, like, you know, like a giant slab of concrete or plaster. And on the front of it, is this Greek letters B-E-A-M-A, Bima. And that literally is what the judgment seat of Christ is. It's where the, in the games, in the Olympic games, they came and they stood upon the Bima and they received rewards for how they did in the races or what have you. So the judgment seat of Christ, that's what we're going to stand before, but we are going to receive rewards for what we have done in the body. If you've done nothing, you'll receive no rewards, not hardly anything. Now, he's, again, you're going to hear people say, well, as long as I get to heaven, I don't care. No, 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 no. You, if you think like that, it's, it's incredibly shallow. But that's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the great white throne judgment, that's in Revelations 20, verses 11 through 13. So we can go there. And I saw a great white throne. Now, this is scary. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Think about how big this God is we serve. I, don't, I, I mean, you got to read words like that. From the face of God, heaven and earth itself is going <laughs> to... Anyhow. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Now watch this. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and notice this, and the books, plural, plural, and the books were opened, but then another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books, plural, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Now, I saw that, and I saw it, and it was interesting. I thought, well, Lord, what's this about? Like I said, I studied out some more, and he said, the books, there's this multitude of books. The books, plural, every one of us, there's a book with our name on it that have recorded every good work we've ever done. Every work we've ever done and why we've done it. And we're going to be judged according to those books. 
But this other book, the book of life, like I said, that's determined already by what you believe. That's one book, the book of life. And that's determined by what you believe. And if, again, this is why, my God, and on earth, remember, the only place you can make this choice is here on earth. The only place, you can't wait till you get to heaven to make that choice. Your name's either still in the book of life or it's not in the book of life. And I guarantee you, you want it to be in the book of life. That's why you need to be very, very, you need to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and not pussyfoot around about that. This is a matter of eternal life or eternal death. Book versus, books versus book. One, the books record your behavior. The book, singular, is about your belief. Books are records of the deeds that we did. The book, singular, is whether you believe or not. Will an unbeliever who maybe is a good man, who tries to live right, but still he obstinately refuses to believe in Jesus Christ, will he have the same punishment as a killer or a rapist? No. It'll be different because there's different degrees of, ju- of punishment because God is a just God. Now turn to Matthew 11, and this is where I really looked at this, and again, there's more to this, but like I said, I'm going to keep things short because I'm changing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew 11, verses 21 through 24. Now listen to Jude. He said, Woe unto thee, Chorazon. These are names of cities. Woe unto thee, Bethesda. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, and here's where I saw this. It takes more time to look at all, but but this is but I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable. Now the Greek there means lenient or less painful. That's what the word means, tolerable. But I say unto you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, this is crazy to me, which are thou Capernaum, Capernaum as they say it over there, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works would ha- which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying if I would have done the works in, Cap- in Capernaum that I did in you, Sodom, 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 they would have repented. They'll still be there today. I don't know if you're hearing that or not. He's saying, I'm looking at the things that are being done, and it depends. It, it creates a differentiation. It creates a difference between how things are going to be and how things are going to be judged and where you're going to stay. More tolerable, again, the Greek there, excuse me, is less tolerable and lenient. Unbelievers are storing up judgment for themselves. Romans 2, verses 5 through 6, but in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart. This is why, you know, my, my longing, you see, at church, you know, I, I have, like I say, I don't want it to sound scorty, but see, I've made my decision. God's, you know, he's nailed my hide to the wall, as they say. I believe this is the word of God, not a man. I've made my choice. I believe this is God's word. See, it's not about going to church for me. Um, it's about obeying God. I, literally, I mean, it sounds that simple, but I mean, really, it's about being God conscious every day of my life. That's what I strive for right now more than anything else in my existence. I want to be more, I just want to be more accountable to God. I want, I want to live godly. I want to be a God man. You know what I mean? And we already are to a degree by virtue of our belief, if we have believed. But I'm just saying there's so much more room. There's so much more to do. I don't want to stay in neutral. I don't want to sit back and just say, well, I've accepted. I've said the sinner's prayer. That's it. I'm done. Like I said, he saved you for more than sitting around. And it's a very, 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 very dangerous attitude to have. That, well, I show up at church sometimes. I'm telling you, you will be ashamed. I'm, now, you guys know I'm a love man. I, I preach the love walk. I'm the love man. But he said, you know, we can't deny what's in the scripture. The scriptures cannot be broken. There's many people that are going to be ashamed that it's coming. Many Christians. 
they're going to be ashamed because they wasted their life. They just hung around, hanging on the fringes. I go to church when I want to. It's no big deal if I go to church or not. After all, God's everywhere. But he says, forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together. You know, he, he means that. He knows something happens when we gather together that doesn't happen when we're by ourselves. Yes, wonderful things happen when you're by yourself. I love my private time. But there's something else that happens when we gather together. There's another way. There's another spirit. There's another type of anointing that happens. It makes a difference how you live. It makes a difference what your attitude is. Be very careful if you're running with people that have a real lackadaisical attitude towards church. Be very, very careful if you, have, if you run with people that have a real kind of lazy, lazy what's I can't even pronounce the word, lazy. Huh? No, I said lackadaisical, but I was trying to say lazy affair, lazy affair attitude towards sin. Now, really, you know, just, it's no big deal. You know, where they just kind of, nah, it's no big deal. Or, you know, like over here, it is, it's understandable. And I have no problem with the fact that people drink wine and stuff like that and have stuff, some booze once in a while. But again, only you know, you know, you. The Bible says the priest's lips shall not touch wine, nothing fermented. And why would he say that if there wasn't something extra available to you? If you get a little bit more extra consecrated. Now, did Rod say, I want all of you to quit drinking wine? Rod did not say that. You hear me? At all. I have no problem with that. But again, the issue is, are you trying, do you, what's your attitude? Are you trying to get away with something? Is that just, the, is this now your Christian way of getting a buzz? You know what I mean? Anything that takes the place of God, the Bible says is idolatry. And remember that idols in the Bible get thrown down and broken. So anything that you're allowing to be an idol in your life, you're going to lose anyhow. Because he'll break it. Because he'll have no other gods before him but him. He is God. You are not God. And he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to serve. He saved us for a reason. I said he saved us for a reason. And there is work to be done. There are people out there when you leave today that need somebody to be kind to them. They just need somebody to listen to them because no one else is listening to them. Those are works that are good works. You give of yourself, your selfless. I still, I'm always amazed at the verse where it says that Jesus Christ, it literally says, gave no thought to his own interests. How do you do that? But only to the interest of others that they might be saved. In other words, that's what agape love is, to absolutely begin to live selflessly. I'm here to help others. I did not come to judge Jesus that I came to serve. We're supposed to follow him and be copiers, imitators of God. I'm here to serve. If you're a believer, a Christian, you're not here to be patted on the back and say how special you are because of your gifting. I don't care how special your gifting is. If your attitude is that your gifting is really special and makes you special, you've already lost it. You'll have no reward whatsoever for that gifting that's in your life. None. None. It'll be nothing. Absolutely nothing. Care less how many people applauded you on a stage. I don't care how many people applauded you at a conference. Makes no difference. Nothing. Because you didn't see him. God is our source. God is the source of everything is, is his, he says. And that's like I said, I might have tried to, like I said, I'm not positive yet, but I think this is where I'm going to go next week. Everything is, God says it's mine. Everything's mine. Everything's mine. You don't have anything that's yours. You own nothing. 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 It's all his. How dare we think it's, well, this is mine. No, it ain't. You ain't got nothing that didn't come from God. But I'm telling you, your attitude has to shift, see. If you really want, well, I'm telling you what I've been studying, when you really, God really does move. He really will move. But I'm telling you, we really have to destroy some sacred cows in our life. We really have to destroy some of the hindrances. 
that we allow, I said that we allow to hang around our lives all in the name of mediocre Christianity. There's degrees of heaven and there's degrees of hell, I guarantee you. Now, again, Jesus says to us that we are storing up treasures in heaven. It's like a doctor telling a patient you've got a disease and you're going to die from this disease. But see, what we're supposed to take with us is, but we have a cure. People out there are going to go to hell. I still, it blows my mind that there are, there's like four of the groups, universalists, people that are called, I forget, absolute revisionists, and then annihilationists, you know, that all, there's all these like four, I think, or maybe five, depending on who you listen to, major areas of thought where they say that, you know, there is no hell. You know, that God loves you so much that the moment you breathe your last breath, if you've not received Jesus, you're just going to go poof into a piece of smoke and you're nothing, you know, you're going to nothingness. No. Hell is real. It was prepared indeed. You know, we'll get to that at another point too in the next few. Hell was prepared for Satan and his angels. It was never meant for human beings, ever, ever. But hell is real. And the Bible is very, very clear. Jesus speaks about it over and I don't know how people can say there's no hell. There's all these guys, some of the major church fathers of this nation say there's no hell. You know, many of the bishops of the Church of England say there's no hell. For that matter, they say there's no resurrection. That it's all just a story to make us feel better. I mean, see, that just, I almost want to swear, it frightens the crap out of me. I just, I mean, I, you know, because I'm, re- I'm in this book. I'm not saying I get pat on the back, but I'm in this book. I'm reading what it says, and it's God's word. It's, heaven and earth will pass away. This word's not going to pass away. I don't care what man's opinion is. I don't care what man's philosophy is. That's why, you know, Paul speaks so strongly in First and Second Timothy and in Titus where he talks about this. He's, you need to quit listening to man's philosophy. You need to quit listening to people that all they want to talk about is endless genealogies. You need to quit being around people that observe the days, it says. That's a big deal. It's an abomination to God for people to be observant of days over other days. It literally says it's an abomination to God and they'll be cut off from Israel. I read that this morning. You know, it's in the same list of wizardry, sorcery, and necromancers. It's in the same thing. Observers of days. You know what that speaks to in one part? Horoscopes. You, you know, it's an abomination to God. See, it's the counterfeit because all through Scripture, God says, I'm going to speak to you through stars and through signs in the heavens. But what man does, he took it down here and took it into this lower level where earthly philosophers took it and turned it into astrology. And people begin to make decisions about their eternal life based upon some stupid thing in a newspaper that says, because you're a Scorpio, da-da-da-da-da is going to happen to you this month. And so you start being expectant from a lie. And every once in a while something happens and you say, it works, it works. Let me tell you, Satan knows how to poison people. You know, that's how you poison a dog. Like I used to hear me say, I know you don't like it, but you get some real meat. But you put some poison in the real meat. Well, listen, the devil uses real meat, real truth, but he puts poison in it. You hear me? We have a cure, though. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's what this is all about. So like I said, I'm not trying to scare you this morning, but I want you to know this is our future. We're going to be judged by our works, good or bad, what we do here. We're going to be judged. Will any believers receive a stronger judgment than others? Yeah. You know who one of them is? Me. James 3.1. You can put that up there. Amplify Not many of you should become teachers or self-constituted censors and reprovers of others, my brethren, for you know that we teachers will be judged by a higher standard with greater severity than other people. Thus, we assume the greater accountability and the more condemnation. See, any minister's job is to give God's truth, not their opinion now you can share your thoughts share your opinions but the foundation the substance of what we're called to share with you is what God's word says what has God said 
This is why I say again, you know, a lot of people, they think I'm just trying to pat ourselves, myself on the back because of the gift he's put in me. But remember, I'm, you know, I, anything that I have, anything that anybody has is by the grace of God. It's like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I'm just, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to the way that God, from the moment I got saved out of the penitentiary, put me under these incredible Bible teachers who taught me. They could skillfully teach the Word of God. And I learned from day one that there's going to be a gigantic difference between people who just go to church and those who are biblically educated. I'm telling you, the day is coming. The day of wrath is going to come upon this earth. And all these people that just go to menial churches where everybody just, where there's like, you know, in the States, they talk about a lot. Church with 30,000 people. No, the one old prophet said it this way. They're a mile deep. No, excuse me. He said they're a mile wide, but they're only an inch deep. They're so shallow. And I mentioned this this morning in prayer. I forget who shared this once years ago, this old prophet. And I think I've said it here before, but think about the statement. Jesus, he said, Jesus, excuse me, Satan, really doesn't mind how many people gather around just the name of Jesus. But what he does mind is when they start going to a church where they begin to be taught the anointings that were on him and that are available to every believer. In other words, he doesn't mind if everybody talks about Jesus, but there's no power, there's no life, there's no giving, there's no kingdom, there's no praise, there's no... In other words, we just, you know, we do what we do in a club outside, a social club, but here we do it and we say Jesus is in the middle of it. God is a righteous God. God is a just God. There's, you, you do understand, Satan says will, he does transform himself into an angel of light. It says his ministers are transformed into angels, into angels of light. His ministers, Satan, demons, ministers, present themselves as ministers of light. Stuff that looks light, but it's not light. It's false light. There's churches all over the world that are full of false light. And the people don't know because they've never actually been shown what thus saith the Lord is. I'm telling you, what do you do? Jesus, against that, we all know the teaching. It is written, it is written, it is written. That's what the master, the one we call Lord, did, right? Let me tell you, when it's all said and done, you, ha you need to know what's written, not what Rod said. That's why when I was, uh, you know, pr principal of the Bible school, I said it every, every year, all the time, 100 times a year, I'd quote Acts 17:11 that those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with readiness of mind, but they searched the scriptures daily whether or not those things were so. See, my responsibility is to give you the word of God. Your responsibility is to see if it's so. How many times have all of us just believed something because we heard it from a guy that had a lot of charisma? Charisma don't get you to heaven, Jack. Personality doesn't get you to heaven. Truth received in the heart of a man or a woman is the only thing that sets you free. Rewards. I remember, like I said, about one final thing about that. I don't know why this came up in me. My dad, I always remember my, when we lived in the country, we had eight acres of strawberries and we had a sweet corn and we had other stuff. Like I said, my dad, he loved different things. We had chinchillas, a whole tribe of chinchillas. We had, I remember, a big old cage full of parakeets. We had 146 parakeets. I never, I don't know why I don't remember that. But along some of the lines where we had the rows of strawberries and stuff like that, down around there, there was a water fine, water hydrant. We had an old wooden ice cream, over there in the column, ice, an ice cream machine, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it's this old wooden slat barrel, you know, kind of thing. And so in hot summertime over there in California, Dad would just turn on the faucet just a little bit and let it slowly but surely trickle in this thing so that this wood would begin to expand and get ready so that, you know, he could make some homemade ice cream. Well, as a kid, you know, me, I'd walk up there every once in a while, and, you know, dad's working home and something like that, and go, something like that, you know, and walk off and he'd come by and say, Rod, did you touch that? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Anyhow, I did this this one time, never forget it. 
He knew. I didn't know he was counting. Dads can be sneaky. Eight times I went and changed this. And it like overflowed one time or stopped running one time, what have you. And finally, all of a sudden, I heard this like that. And I turned to my dad. This is what my dad used to do if we messed up. All the trees we had. He just took a switch off that tree. And he said, boy, come here. I told you, don't touch that rod. Now, my dad wasn't mean, but he was real. <laughs> I said, Dad, no, no. He said, I told you not to touch that. I told you over and over again. Come here. And he said, I'm whipping you eight times. I said, why? He said, because you turned and messed with that thing eight times. Now, had I known, <laughs> had I known, I would have left it at one or none. The Father is watching us, is what I'm trying to say. And you will be rewarded according to your works. And as an unbeliever, you will be punished according to your works. Finally, remember, every person, I'm ending, we're done already. Everybody say, praise God. Good? I know I'm getting so much better. Every person at the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever. And boy, you read the scriptures that go along with that, what they're going to undergo. This is why, like I said, I'm saved. I see people every day that are not saved. They're going to bust hell wide open. I said they're going to bust a horrific, revealed by fire, fire, fire that never is quenched, never, 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 and like I said, in there's degrees of hell forever. This is why I, you know, I'm, I want this to be so strong in you because I'm praying. I want you to have a greater boldness. I want you to have greater courage. You don't have to preach a whole sermon to them. But remember the whole basic teaching about some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. Be faithful to just plant a seed. And remember, remember the other thing that's really powerful. You don't have to quote a scripture line, you know, word for word. He said, we're, we've been made to be able ministers of the spirit of the, of the word, the, the, the spirit of the, that means the life that's in this truth. You can minister the life that's when the truth of a scripture without quoting the scripture. You know, like Emmanuel was sharing this morning about, you know, when, you know, working with all these guys with the crews and stuff with George um, Hammer's crews and stuff and how this you know, people notice you. They they know they know they can tell there's something different. I mean, they do. But at some point, you see, this is why at least pray for people that you're around. My God, pray that pray this simple prayer. Father, grant me an open door of utterance. In other words, create that moment. That's all God needs. Let me tell you, God will work with anything. But all you need is that moment where you just that one thing. You know what? Your life's not always going to be like this. You know, just that word of encouragement. You know what? There's a better plan for your life, and I can help you if you let me. Or like you hear all the time about these American ministers and restaurants. It's a lot different in the States, but, you know, you see a waiter. If you're in a restaurant, waiter, waitress. I'm telling you, waiters and waitresses are, are ripe ground for ministry because you can see in their face sometimes in an instant pain. You know how easy it is. You can see pain in somebody's face. just like you can see pain in people's faces that come to church. Well, even that at church, if you see pain in somebody, put your hand on the shoulder. And just say, how? Like, I've, you know, how many years have I been saying this? Find somebody every single time to encourage. And guess what will happen? Because you're sowing, you're going to reap a lot of encouragement. And the thing is, you're being like God when you encourage because that's all he does. He's forever merciful. And you're going to be held accounted, accountable to your behavior. So what am I saying here? I'll just read my last two little paragraphs. Every person at the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever. Every person at the judgment seat of Christ is a believer, but it is your choice. And you can only make that choice here and now in the earth. Remember, it is appointed unto all men once to die. It doesn't say a time to die. A lot of people misquote that. Oh, it must have been their time. No. No. But everybody's going to die. Everybody in this room is going to die. You realize that, right? You will leave your last breath here, and you will be instantaneously before the Lord if you're saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. 
You need to not game it. It is appointed unto all men once that I, and after that, the judgment. Some might say, well, I, I, you know, when I was writing this down, I didn't, I still don't know, have the words, but I said, because there are some people say, well, if I'm going to get to heaven, isn't that enough? In other words, well, okay, whatever. So we're going to be rewarded for my works. But what the heck, getting to heaven surely is enough. Well, you need to study the book a little more. Like I said, think on things I said earlier. Responsibility here is going to translate into responsibility there. Jesus Christ said there are cities there. Jesus Christ said there is there's activity there. Jesus Christ said we are to store up treasure for heaven. We wouldn't need to store up treasure in heaven. That means from the good works we do. We wouldn't need to store it if we don't need it. I said we wouldn't need to store treasure in heaven if we're not going to need to use it somehow. I don't know what. I don't have the answer to that, but I can read. How and I, I, I just let me just read it. Some might say, "Well, I know to go to heaven. I'll know I'll go to heaven. That's enough for me." How utterly shallow, considering the price Christ paid for us to have an abundant life and to make a difference with our own lives while we're here on the earth. To me, that would be the most frightening thing on the earth. I, I, to say the least, and you know this, I surely don't have all knowledge. I'm not God. God's on, God is the one that's omniscient. But... Be, I, met, I think a lot on the crucifixion of Christ. I don't try to. It's just every morning in my reading, it comes up in my spirit. And I'm grateful that it does. I mean, every morning for about a just, sometimes just five minutes. But I suddenly, I just stop and I realize that this is a physical flesh and blood man who did this. He actually did this. I mean, he submitted himself. He offered up his body as a living. He did this for Rod. I mean, he did this for me. He actually did this. I mean... And I'm sorry if I get graphic, but I mean, I see the blood, man. I see the tears in his body. I see the throne sticking through his head and this stuff. And my God, you know, this, the stuff that he went through. That's in, you know, again, Isaiah 52, his form ceased to resemble that of a human being. Every sickness and disease in the earth that's ever will be, ever has been, came upon his body in a three-hour period, the scripture said. What must have happened? But he did that for you and me. I mean, and see, it's not just, it's not just church rhetoric. I, I actually believe that. And my God, for him to have gone through all that, for me to sit back and say, well, I've, I've said the sinner's prayer and that's enough. That scares the bahootie out of me. <laughs> that does. It frightens me. I have a life to live. And whatever length of life I have left, I'm going to do my utmost to give my utmost. Sound like a name for a book. To give my utmost for his highest. There's books going to be full of all your deeds. Every single deed, every single deed you've ever done, good or bad, is in a book. Don't ask me. Talk to him about it. But then there's another book, singular. That's your belief. Your belief determines whether or not you're in the book of life. Which we're going to be judged. The Bible's very clear. You heard, I read too many. We're going to be judged by our works. And again, that's not to frighten us. It's to make us aware. Let's let our lives mean something. Let's be earnestly desirous of knowing more of what has been paid for than what we need to walk in. He did this for a reason. He anointed us with the Holy Ghost, not just so we could speak in tongues. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are within each and every believer. They're not just there. They're not, God help us to keep them from being, it's like, okay, they're all there and I've got them locked safely in a cabinet. Hallelujah, don't worry. When he comes, I'll show him that I still have them. Does that sound familiar to another verse about the guy that had five talents, two talents, one talent? He said, well, I know, you'd be, I know you to be a harsh God, so I went and hid your talent. You what? Don't hide what he's given you. Please. Amen. Father, uh, again, we, we ask you to recognize, well, I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. 
I ask you, Father, to help us recognize more and more and more the price that was paid. And I ask you, Father, that you would help us to simply see, as I prayed in the beginning, that you would illumine these words, again, that no one would be fearful, but nevertheless they would see we are going to be rewarded according to our behavior. We can either build things that are to you are eternal, they're gold, they're silver, precious stones, or we can be doing stuff that's quite frankly, uh, that'll have no eternal value. They're just church-like in their appearance, but they don't have any real eternal value. They're wood, they're hay, and they're stubble. But Father, this is what I'm praying this morning. I want our people to be so energized, enthusiastic. We know even the word enthusia, it comes, it means in God. You can't be in God. You can't be a Christian and not be enthusiastic. It's a violation of the definition of the word. If we're believers, then we got something to be enthusiastic about. So I'm just simply asking that we would all take stock of our lives. That's all. Again, not get condemned, my gosh, but take stock. And just realize how grateful we should be for the great, great, great gift of God that is ours in this great salvation that's been given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So I pray, Father, open our eyes and help us to see in Jesus' name. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 